Welcome to Marvelous Pod, where today we'll be discussing episode two of Marvel's Loki, The Variant. I'm Laura Stewart Berry, and I'm joined by my lovely co host, Abby Shaw. Hello. And Matthew Vose. Hello. So, gang, what did we think? Abby, are you still loco for Loki? Yes. In short, yes. I have some gripes, I have some in, thoughts. In long? In long, I have more to say. But in short, <laughs> there were some good times. And um, Matthew, how did you find it? By which I mean, what are your opinions on the second episode of the TV show called Loki? Not how did you locate said TV show? I don't do the same joke every time. <laughs> you no, do I'm just heading you off. Just, just, in case. just in case. Just in case. Better to be safe um, than sorry. I enjoyed it. The stuff actually happened, which was good. I was, you know, I was hoping it would. You could absolutely see that this is an interesting procedural Fargo true detective sort of series, which, you know, it will work as one cohesive whole as well as I, I think it's working episodically for me. I, I don't feel like we had a cliffhanger so much at the end. We had, oh, and this is what we're going to move on to dealing with. Mm. Things have happened. Let's let's crack on with it. And, and that's good. I appreciated it. How did you find it? I thought it was good, but I'm a bit worried. I'm not really emotionally engaged oh. in this. Um, I think the world's great. Performances are great. Music is great. I'm really interested, but I don't care, care. And that's one of the big things with the MCU is that I really care most of the time when I'm watching the films. Um, and I did with um, with WandaVision. Still felt like there was a bit more exposition set up than I would have liked, given how much we had in the first one. Mm-hmm. But I, that's fine. As long as that's it now and we're just we're running, then then good. Yeah, I feel like we are going to have to get more because of what we're seeing with the variant at the end mm. and what the variant has done. I feel like it needed a good chunk of this because it's going into some heavy multiverse mm. time travel shenanigans and and... I mean, I, I actually enjoyed them explaining what happens if you go and do shenanigans at an apocalypse, in inverted commas. And, oh, yeah, and that. Have, you know. No, no, it wasn't that. It was, actually, it was more just earlier when there, there was still stuff that was... It, it was more kind of exposition as far as um, some of the time with Miss Minutes, some, okay. some of the stuff with Miss Minutes. And there was the whole thing, Loki being asked if he'd watch the videos, and we were using that to explain something you know it was just a bit kind of like okay i get it i get it let's oh, interesting. get on with it okay so loki lady loki hmm. what do we think it's the actress from flowers yes That's and casualty well i mean i haven't <laughs> seen her work in casualty which could be started. no i haven't but she is but i looked her up she's in flowers she was in Casualty for five years. She has also hit the um, important UK highs of Doctors, Heartbeat, Midsummer Murders. Oh my goodness, she's in like the Trinity. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Wow. <laughs> and she was also in um, that Beatles film yesterday, which was quite disappointing. That was disappointing. But I don't remember her yeah. being in it. No, I don't remember either. Mm. Interesting. I mean, I, I remember her well from Flowers, which is a spectacular piece of TV, which I think is on Netflix. Um, warning for which is it is it opens with a man failing to successfully commit suicide. So if that is a problem, maybe don't. Um, yeah. But it is a remarkable two series of TV with um, Olivia Colman and Julian Barrett and indeed Lady Loki. And uh, she's extremely mm. good. And 
like has a, has a really strong presence. And um, when she appeared, we both. And when I say we both, because I might do that throughout, um, I mean, my wife and I uh, both went, oh, yeah. Because mm. sometimes, sometimes what people do is they cast British people when they just mean mm. something else. But obviously, you know, Tom Hiddleston pulling a, a kind of full mm. British appearance, it, it's not so weird. I think some of me had expected a more gender fluid Tom Hiddleston for... Um, for Lady Loki, which I I think could have worked, I understand why we're not there, mm. and and we are apparently doing something very different and very separate. And I hadn't seen all the casting details before uh, this morning when I prepared for this podcast. I I a little surprised, a little um. The aesthetic is a little surprising because I I have seen Lady Loki in the comics and she looks a lot more like mm. Loki non-lady Loki um, so the mm-hmm. blonde is slightly derailing to me I, th- I think it's there are, there are some choices there are some plans happening here and it's like two seconds so I guess we'll see where it goes but but it's not yeah. it's not what I would have expected it, it was a jar and I haven't had any jars mm. otherwise up until now watching this so yeah remove the hood and I went ah oh. and that's not what you want in a reveal ideally but there we go. Um, yeah, I I had a similar experience, which I think is also why I'm not sort of singing the praises of this episode. And that is because after we'd recorded, I did a load of reading and listening to stuff. And I was expecting it to be Lady Loki when the cloak came off. And in fact, one of our friends of the show, at Sinkstote on Twitter, had actually flagged that there was this theory that uh, the main villain was going to be Lady Loki. Yeah, so I was a bit kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, so it was. Because it, the, it made sense that therefore that's why it was shrouded in the first one. Green wiggly woos, so we can add those to the collection. <laughs> yes, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew's very excited. So I had forgotten about the conversation about Lady Loki. I'm trying not to speculate in that way on this show. And, and again, like like a you know procedural Fargo. So having just watched three series of Fargo, which is why mm-hmm. I'm thinking of that. You know, I'm just enjoying. This is going to take me on a romp, but I'm going to enjoy it as we go. Awesome. Um, and also because I'd suggested it should be Alison Janney for Lady Loki, and that was never going to happen. Did. So, you know, that's a shame. <laughs> um, the last few frames, the last second that we see them, it makes it very clear this is a smaller figure than Lord Loki. Mm-hmm. So my mind went to, oh, young Loki, wouldn't it be amazing if this big plan and this sort of gruesome killing stuff happening was a child? Mm. And I would have quite enjoyed that. And, you know, there's not ruling out that we're going to see a variant of Loki that's much younger or flashbacks to Loki or alternate timelines where Loki is a Laufeyson, for instance. Mm-hmm. So you wanted Chucky Loki? Yeah. Teen, teen Loki, who is actually more ruthless than mm-hmm. Mischievous Scamp would have been quite interesting because they'd had the call out earlier of, you know, a, a small child shivering in the cold or something, how yeah. you described him. So I quite like the reveal that it's a lady. I, I think in general, for people who aren't us, it probably worked quite well. People who aren't yeah. massive speculators and reading and listening and all of this sort of thing. And, and I, I kind of don't want to speculate too much, although there were already things coming. And I don't know if you've seen these or want these in the conversation, that it's not actually Lady Loki, that it is another character from yeah. the comics um, who is a bit more like this. I suspect what we might get is that it is Lady Loki, but they're doing an amalgam of characters in the way the MCU MCU has always done really well 
actually mm-hmm. taking a few threads from different comics and different ideas and let's put them into this one character. I, I think I would quite like that. I think the presence of the horns is the bit that's making me go, they want us to look at that and make a link between these two characters. Yeah, because she does say, don't call me Loki. Mm. I've seen there's um, Enchantress has come up. Mm-hmm. Sylvie. Sylvie. Something. Yeah, because there was someone went through and watched all of the dubbing credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it actually has on one of them. It has uh, her being the mm. variant as she is in the other credits. So, could be that it's not Lady Loki. Could be that it's merging things together and someone mm. just credited it wrong. In the same way, we, you know, we, I looked at the fact there was a week missing on the One Division schedule, and were there's mm. were they going to do an extra episode and so on. Some of this meta stuff, I'm trying to pull myself back from where I would normally over speculate. Okay. One thing with her is I don't like the little horns. Hmm. Because Loki's horns look it's just not those great. Are tiny yeah. crap horns kind of yeah. and, and the tiny crap horns are just but I think part of the problem is where we went with um, Hela and the Cape Blanchard incarnation mm-hmm. and mm. I think that she took on some of the Lady Loki aesthetic and kind of used mm-hmm. it up if you like uh, for the MCU yeah. and, and I think that's you know those are choices that were previously made and there's nothing you can really do about it so once I thought about it like that I thought that was quite fun (laughs) yeah it's just um, I mean I don't really like Loki's horns at the best of times the big ones I mean it's kind of Uh, his thing it it is a little bit it's a bit his thing though you know the horned god it's kind of grandiose and it's it's traditional those are the ways (laughs) of a Loki you know but I mean at least his does look like it's meant to be a helmet or something Hers look like the kind of it's a bit of hen party version. Yes, Crappy oh my Alice god, band. it is absolute yeah. hen party. <laughs> that is exactly what I've been de- try- very stumblingly trying to say. Oh my god! Were they just trying to keep it under the hood, effectively? Is that the point of having them so small? But it's a shame because actually, wouldn't it have been cool if they had come out of the hood? So we're like, there is a Loki in that hood. Yeah. We just don't know what the variant actually looks like. Mm. It was quite interesting when they scrolled through those variants as well, mm. the kind of holograms of them. Mm. Was one of them like a football player or something? It appears, it appears to have won a trophy in a yellow yeah. jersey. Was that not a, um, what's the bike one, you know, with the mm. bikes in France? Mm. Mm. What's the, it called? The one Tour in de France. France. The, the perhaps yes. power of yes, France. Yes, the Tour de France. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, was that was that not what that was? I assume that's what I that took it as. Be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's because uh, I think that's quite specific. The shorts, you know, they don't come in other sports. Mm. We don't. I, do I did see a very cool comparison where someone had found the photo of Tom Hiddleston, like a publicity shot. And he's like, and they've really <laughs> just taken that publicity <laughs> shot and turned it into Loki. <laughs> Beautiful. I quite enjoyed like Hulk Loki. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So Abby, you are Loki for Loki. Tell us why. So at the end of last week's episode, I, I believe that I pondered for quite some time as to whether I was going to get any more of my particular treat, which is just people sitting, talking, like having a time, you know, some men with some drinks, some props, talking in a room. And I got more and what a treat. Like, mm. I did not expect more. I I did not expect more of that. I didn't expect the um the sequence with and someone will kindly insert her name here Google and Bath's royal character who has like a Renslayer Ravonna Renslayer Ravonna Renslayer didn't Google her didn't look up the Marvel character assume there is one 
Anyone else on this yes. pod do mm-hmm. that? Cool. Okay, mm-hmm. you guys can tell me about that. But didn't expect that. Didn't expect the office sequence. Um, didn't expect so much more TVA and Decor. Did not expect more bureaucracy, but hoped for more, as you will recall. Um, I just really enjoyed so many sequences in this. I enjoyed the filing deeply on an intrinsic level <laughs> as somebody who walked into one of their first jobs as a building surveyor's assistant and was asked to sort the files which looked identical to these files and I said what do you mean sort the files I said you know just you know and I said no what shall I do and I said just make them a bit smaller and I was like okay <laughs> <laughs> and like part of me wishes I cut exactly like one centimeter off the edge of every other <laughs> um, you know I did weeding I sorted them and at some point I had to put over a thousand files in numerical order which it, which remains the most difficult thing I've had to do at work except for the day I had to put prawns in a sandwich which I refused to do that's the only thing I've ever turned down in a job but um, but I felt for Loki when he was asked to kind of commit to the work as if his life depended on it and when he was faced with this heap of brown files I had a little flashback of my own and when I found the um, interview with the director earlier where it was referenced that she had taken inspiration for her time working as a temp, presumably with similar instructions in the face of volumes of files, I just I, I really felt a, a connectivity to the MCU that I haven't always with the bureaucracy sequence. So really enjoyed that. Um, best scene in the show so far, the salad demonstration sequence. Um, utter catnip to me very much like when people explain the offside rule on television but you know with Apocalypse so that was great loved it, perfect Um, Owen Wilson and Jet Skis what a dream, what a a wonderful thing if anyone knows what I'm thinking of where I think I've seen a man obsessed with Jet Skis before, they could let me know because that's been bugging me for about 24 hours now Um, later we can talk about product placement in supermarkets um, and Danish design icons. Mm. So yeah, so much love. Just, just overflowing with love. And that's only some of my notes. I have more. <laughs> what I'm happy about is like there's something that just kind of took me off in so many tangents where I feel quite safe and comfortable leaning into these things because this is my arena. And it, it's quite a, a good place to explore. Good to hear. We look forward to those insights. <laughs> Why not just say it in more inverted commas? I can't keep up. I can't. I can't keep up with her today. How interesting! I I wish I had a story I could apply for my time as a surveyor's PA. You must have Cause, something. Cause I've done the same job, and I've what I now want on this show is Loki also having to photocopy things that are a one size and do. Have we do all things done this job? Well, mine was, I was a surveyor's assistant, so but was I. I was like in the field. Oh, okay. So um, I just my dad, I, my dad being the surveyor. And so right. I used cool. to be the one hold, you know, with, he'd have the lodge light and I'd be holding the big staff thing. It's a horrible angle uh, in the freezing cold. Big responsibility. I didn't get that level of responsibility. Yeah. I just got the tapes. No, oh, I was all of 14. <laughs> I, I worked for a building company, but in the surveying department. Mm. And I had to look after the main guy's diary and stuff and then sort out the files when he wasn't around. Snap. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to organise his golf games? No, dinners. And his wife's taxes. There was de- definitely Maybe dinner we'll that up. I was like, you have to go because you've got this on, so you need to do no, this. No, no, we, and... le- we are leaving this in. 
<laughs> one, because I can't be bothered with that ticket. But two, this is the bureaucracy that people want from Loki. So we're bringing our own version. <laughs> okay, I'm going to skip ahead then go on, go on go the go. bureaucracy <laughs> thing to my favourite thing from this episode. Yes. The thing that I would have gone at the end where you're like, is there anything we're not brought up? And I'm like, yes, there's one amazing thing in this. Go now. The paperwork that he reads that's titled Destruction of Asgard. Mm. The bit that says Destruction of Asgard is a stamp. Someone has stamped yes. Destruction of Asgard. So someone has made a Destruction of Asgard <laughs> stamp for the purpose of stamping Destruction of Asgard. It looks like on the top of this one bit of paper, because it's not a big file. It's not like Destruction of Asgard was such a monumental event that we had to stamp it a million times. So it's worth having a stamp for so that we could read it on the screen. And we then get a close-up of the file anyway. <laughs> so I'm just... Someone somewhere has a, in, in the show, made a stamp. Do you think they've designed that on Photoshop and printed it off to look like a stamp? Or do you I, think someone no. in the real world actually made a Destruction of Asgard no, stamp? No, because there's a TVA stamp and I think they got a job lot of stamps made. <laughs> and I, I, as, as somebody... So part of my job is rubber stamping. And I do a lot of rubber stamping. Um I'm glad that gesture is not like something that's going to translate into the podcast later because it turns out the rubber stamping <laughs> gesture isn't inappropriate. Anyway, I spend a lot of my life rubber stamping various pieces this, of paper. This is a euphemism for what your job is, is it? No, <laughs> it's literal rubber stamping. Very librarian, think librarian. Um, and so okay. I can spot a well placed rubber stamp um, and one as opposed to a digitally done one. I like to think, I mean, you know if anyone who was working on it would like to contradict me. But to me, that looks like a few rubber stamps were made and that there are a lot of files involved in the making of this show. And uh, mm. rubber stamping is a faster way of doing it than printing because, stunningly enough, printing things takes bloody years, which is also a key part of my job. Rubber stamping, significantly faster. So, And I have, I have some more stuff like this about the TVA, but at some point you reach a superior technology <laughs> and rubber stamping... Better than printing in many scenarios. So I really respect okay. the TVA for taking that peak of technology. Mm. It delighted me just looking at that, <laughs> the heading of that file. Absolutely same. <laughs> My favourite thing is actually something that I've discovered about the show, mm. from outside the show. And that is the, where is it? The drink. So Mobius is drinking a fizzy drink called Josta. Josta, that was it which is only available for a few years in the 90s. And I love that. I love that little detail because he was drinking it in episode one and he's still drinking episode two. That it's just this idea that they are, from their space outside the timeline, they are just reaching in and grabbing the things that they like. Absolutely love that. Was hoping someone would have looked up the drink. What a joy. And, and I think it, it's like last time, Abby, you were delighted by the computery thing he was using. Yes. It's, and it's quite nice they're going into that level of detail on it, which is great. In which case, shall, mm. I, shall I move into my Danish design icon moment? Because, yep. Please because do. this is a good one. And this, this brings me a lot of joy as well. Um, the Panthella light, which you will see when Loki is studying with the files and so on. It's basically the mushroom shaped light, um, mm. which is LED based. And that was created by Danish designer Werner Panton. I'm going to say Werner Panton. Just checking that I haven't written that wrong. If I've written that wrong in my notes... I mean, I looked it up just now, but I think it's Werner Panton. Anyway, um, so he designed this light, uh, I want to say, in the 1950s. And I, I like I went down a long rabbit hole of this earlier. I only wrote down some of the details, and it's many hours later. So if any of these data, details are wrong, it's all on me. 
Anyway, he designed a light like this, the mushroom light, would sit in the middle of the table. You would be able to do kind of your study and your work. But at that point in time, they had not suitably designed wireless technology or anything like it. So there had to be a wire which led from this light to the socket. And he was always incredibly frustrated by that because it ruined the lines of the design. It ruined the, the purity of this kind of mushroom-shaped thing. Very similar in, in style to the tulip table and its positioning. And this light became a classic, became an icon, was plugged in in offices and homes around the world and is still being made to this day. And of course, as you all know, we now have LED technology, which is chargeable. And now the Panthala light is still available, but now it is chargeable. It has no wires and it has finally achieved the purity of design with which it was originally conceived. It only took like 50 odd years for it to reach that peak. And that is the version that is used in Loki. So I think that's really nice because it's something that is contemporary with a lot of the mm -hmm. design style that is used in the TVA, but they're using the version that achieved the original conception of it. The level to which that is intentional, I don't know, but I think there's a wonderful thing. This information is from the Conran Shop page where you can, if you wish, buy your own Panthala light. We are not sponsored by the Conran Shop, but wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> and, and, use, yeah. and use the discount code marvellous to get 10% off your <laughs> no discount code currently exists <laughs> so yeah that, that's my little highlight but I just it's it's a little detail about um, kind of design and achievability not necessarily being concurrent um, but also there's something about the permanence of design which I think is shown in other places in Loki uh, so when we see in Renslayer's office because that's her name, uh, the inbuilt reel-to-reel, uh, which resulted in my wife showing me the astonishing number of pictures of inbuilt reel-to-reel -reel machines that she has on her Pinterest. And if you've never looked on Pinterest for built-in reel-to-reel <laughs> machines, let me tell you, there's a lot out there. Um, I also have some snaps from uh, one of my wife's best-beloved interior design books uh, published in the mid-1970s, which displays many a house with a wall which encapsulates shelves to design your objet d'art. Uh, so your your halls um, or your latest mission finds but also the reel-to-reel -reel with controls all built in in this incredible panel and I think that there's something really interesting about the reel-to-reel -reel, which apparently and I've learned so much in the last 48 hours um, is a superior piece of technology when it comes to making a long-form mixtape um, has has barely been surpassed in terms of sound quality and functionality as long as you know how to use it and there is still somewhere in France and somewhere in America makes reel-to-reel -reel technology so those people who did commit to having them installed on their wall can continue to enjoy them even in 2021 but i i just again it's that taking the best bits taking something that is broadly acknowledged to be a technological highlight and integrating it in a very permanent way into your office into your home um just so that other people can talk for a minute i wonder did anyone else wonder at any point if this is actually Mobius's office that has been unexpectedly surpassed at some point and he's forgotten about it or been mind controlled out of remembering that it's his no interesting I have wondered if these statues are going to come to life at some stage that'd be cool if those are actually are the timekeepers when she says they're listening that'd be cool I did think oh so you, it's, I take it that's something that I, I just wonder because there was the pen, 
with the Franklin D. Roosevelt High School where he was like, oh, I don't remember that. Is that someone else's? And then he was also like, yeah, it's weird that you have all these things that I've brought back from stuff. And I was like, does this belong to you? Is this your office that you used to be in from some other time and somehow you've been manipulated through? Like, was there was there a kind of overtaking, perhaps, that happened at some point? Because he's, he's quite vague about his existence. This does lead me on to a little bit of speculation on my part. I am expecting at some stage that we're going to uncover something horrible about the timekeepers, some nefarious something, and we're going to see Mobius turn, and he will side with Loki against the timekeepers, and will seek to take them down. Now, the reasons I have for this, they seem to be pushing very heavily on his love of jet skis. <laughs> um... And so, and that whole conversation when you know, he's he's saying, uh, you know, Loki's saying, wouldn't that be fun? And he's like, well, yeah, it would be, but no, I can't do that. When he's in um, the office that may be his or maybe um, Ravenna's, he's talking about Loki when he says, well, sometimes you get tired of playing the same part. But I'm thinking, well, that could equally apply to him. Obviously, it's just a addiction. And I just could see it getting to the stage where something, you know, the whole the whole conversation there as well of um, it's, you know, this is all real because I believe it's real. If it turns out it's not what he thought it was, you know, is he, is he going to then um, turn and break the system down? Because I'm not sure, one of my questions was, you know, with the, the bombing at the end, is this the start of the madness? Because it seems pretty early if it is going to be the start of the madness in this series. I don't know, and it could go so many ways. It's it's almost hard to say. It's almost like there are, you know, a, a nexus of possibilities stemming from this moment that they could do. Because you're absolutely right, they could do that, although that feels very like Mordo, I think, in Doctor Strange. Mm, it does. Shiro no, right. turn. So, you know, which might not necessarily be a bad thing, because you can see them setting up allies and so on through this. Mm. I'm not sure whether they're going to reveal the timekeepers are bad, but I think the way I would go, which is why it probably is not the way that it's going to go, because these people are professional story writers and much better at this than me, is that actually what this is going to do is destabilise the sacred timeline and recreate the multiverse or do something to prove that what the timekeepers are doing isn't necessary, doesn't work, is detrimental in some way, and that the TVA is not necessary or relevant or or that all this happens and actually it still comes back to that same single line in some way so so all this pruning and work that the tva is doing and all these lives that he's taken people that you've stopped however you want to look at it mm. has been for naught mm. something on those lines maybe potentially kind of a wizard of oz mm. it's thing where it's not really yeah it, it, it feels like this is the start of whatever is going to happen this is not the big thing because obviously it's only episode two as well um the, the big thing that's going to come from it but that's kind of proving a point thing because i'm not even sure that lady loki the loki variant is going to be the antagonist mm. it was the start of it but i think there is more going on and perhaps this is going to be this first thing and this is going to lead to the next thing and so on yeah. and so forth well it's like you could even see mobius plus loki's mm. fighting together yeah, because there's been an interesting couple of comments, which, you know, again, not read and seen too much of, but Tom Hiddleston talking about the way he had to deconstruct how he plays Loki so other people could play Loki. 
it works fine for this episode, but you feel like, oh, well, isn't that interesting? And and knowing the one famous person who's still to come in this show and we don't know what part they're playing, you're like, well, they'd be a very good old Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Do I know mm. who that is? Absolutely. You do, yes. but you've forgotten. So I'll tell you if you want to. Yeah, go on. Richard E. Grant. <gasps> I had forgotten. How exciting. That would be fun, wouldn't it? I love that we get that reaction every time. Oh, we'll do it again next week, even if he's not been in it. Isn't it's, that great? It's like, oh. it's like your memory's been pruned. Come back and we get to give Honestly, you that I've got uh, absolutely several brains this week, so, you know, it's all fine. Gosh, isn't that exciting? No, yeah. Wouldn't he be an interesting older Tom Hiddleston? Yeah. yeah. Mm. He's got the hair just as default. Hiddleston has... Um... I saw an interview with him and uh, he was saying that he's really excited for the audience to see episodes four and five. Okay. Oh, that's annoying because we've still got three to happen first. <laughs> you, you're loving all of it. So it's <laughs> going to get better for you. It, it is always the, the second to last episode of these things that is the yes, best. So it kicks off. Yeah. yeah. And it was the same with big series like Game of Thrones and so on. So it's awesome. Yeah. I'm here for it. Your point on The Office was an interesting one because I was wondering if it was that he was once the judge and has stepped down or gone to a different thing and she's yeah. now taken that position. Because I don't I don't think, and I, part of it is I hope they're not going to do the she was promoted ahead of him but he's actually the best one there or something because I feel like that's mm. weird to do with an actress of that. colour and a white man. That's like... Ugh. Yeah, I hope they would be a bit yeah. more. I don't think it'd be that, but I wonder if she might be an antagonist and perhaps one of the kind of... Mm. Um, maybe one of the new timekeepers or someone who has herself overthrown the timekeeper because she seems to be the highest point of authority around the timekeepers. Mm-hmm. Even though apparently, and, and yeah. let's talk about this next, maybe we have another character who knows where they are. But thus far, mm. the judge is, is the highest point of contact with the timekeepers who Owen mm. Wilson is going to. So I think it's not not out of the bounds that she has um, stepped in as a brighter antagonist and pushed him out, potentially. Mm. Yeah, in, absolutely. In and that, that could be the thing that then sets him off, as I'm um, mm. oh, and, I mean, as I I did am predicting. Talk about her last week and saying you know she's quite the casting to not see more of and and still, I feel we're getting like a tease of of her character and some very interesting. You know, she has a lot of power for someone with a low amount of screen time. Um, mm. I, I and think that's someone so young. Mm. Well, I, yeah, but I don't know. If she's presented as. Does that mean anything? Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know because it's quite interesting seeing who's in the TVA. Hmm. Mm. So with her again, and I'm I know I'm reading too much into this, but I don't care. When she signs the paperwork for Mobius, um, he looks at her signature and he says, "Our Slayer," which could be our Slayer, which means she's a baddie. It could be this. It was just a, that was a weird moment. I felt like it was a, it was a strange emphasis, which mm. felt like it must come to something. That's what some it just felt. There was something there, because um, again, from my fantastic googling of comics, uh, she is relate. She is linked to Kang the Conqueror. Mm. Uh, she is a love interest of his, mm. and there is a theory going around that one of the um, 
I don't know if it's statues or if it's the cartoon, Miss, the, the Miss Minutes cartoon, but the one of the timekeepers looks like Kang. Mm. And we are getting Kang in Ant-Man and the Three. Wasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Quantumania. So he, the, he does some time travel stuff. Yeah, the artifact from the end of the first episode is speculated to be something of his. Because they make a comment about the period it's from, and that's the period he's from. So The bubblegum. No, you know the end of it where we see hooded Loki or hooded variant, yeah. and, oh, and there's a Japanese third millennium thing. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Mm. The other thing on the keep the timekeepers that I thought was interesting is when um, Mobius said that they're still untangling the epilogue. So it's not that everything has been written. There's mm. still something that they're doing at the end. Untangling the epilogue from its infinite branches. Yeah, because presumably the TVA in some sense sits outside time. And yet there is mm. still a time which is internal to it. So, you know, multiple timelines, which is always fun. Um, we're back to the beginning for a minute. Um, yeah. And talk about, first of all, how dark it is. Because the first time I watched it was on that ludicrously hot and sunny morning at 8am. And I could see nothing that happened. <laughs> Fortunately, this morning same, when we same. rewatched it, it was cloudy. And I was like, oh, now I see that this this actor who reappears later in the episode in a pivotal position was actually in this bit at the beginning, which I just thought was some people stumbling about in the dark. <laughs> so that was that was a revelation. So I think there's there's a lesson there. I mean, I had the curtains closed and I still couldn't see it. So I think that's how awkward it was. I have a reasonable television. You know. Anyway, um, also many people uh, from me to um, author Tade Thompson to just anyone who's been looking at the internet this past week. Um, Bonnie Tyler's job lot of sales of holding out for a hero mm. um, appearing in the Guardians uh, of the Galaxy computer game. And the crucial mm-hmm. Masters of the Universe trailer, uh, which is the one that we watched first. And just kind of as they start to stack up, it gets weirder. <laughs> like by the time it appeared in Loki, I was like, <laughs> and it's the same drop as well. Like it's the same drop in each one of them mm. <laughs> with the kind of holding up. I for really love the use of that. Though. Yeah, mm. I did as well. But it's just it's just weird to have within a week in major, major drops, the same song. Mm. I really enjoyed my confusion actually because when they went to that time period and it says yeah you know, and I have the um, close captions on when I'm watching and uh, and it says you yeah, know Renaissance music and you hear it and that and then it says Wisconsin and I'm like wait wait a second my American history is not great <laughs> but I'm pretty sure this is wrong and then they take a, just a beat before they they um, flip it through and it says 1985 I thought that was that was a nice touch. I also thought it was interesting they had medieval noble wear in the Renaissance fair. Yes. Different. Periods. But they do, don't they, at Ren Fairs? I don't know. It's, it's yeah, not but a medieval. Fair. They call them Renaissance fairs, yeah, don't they? That's just mm. kind of my point. I just thought it yeah, you know, is. Ren all fairs the and they dress up medieval. Medieval fairs. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, there was also someone who retweeted that back when Ragnarok was the big thing, someone doing the. Um, the big moment at the end where Hela goes and what were you the god of again? Mm. With 
holding out for Hero over the top of it mm. and how someone had inserted it and it does work perfectly. Yep. Uh, I'll see if I can find you a link for that because it's really That'd good. Yeah. That was, that I was mean, one of the ones like um, like with the dancing in Falcon mm-hmm. and the Wind Soldier and there are like 47 different songs over it but holding out for Hero was yeah, a exactly. really good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it feels like looking at the people who are making this show, it feels like there is a literacy in that. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't feel accidental. So I think when we're thinking about how good a week Bonnie Tyler is having, I think that's not for nothing <laughs> because of fandom. Um, awesome. The other thing about Renaissance fairs is I wasn't really aware of them and their thingness in America until I saw them in other shows like oh. Gilmore Girls. Um, and you know, there's a big um, kind of Renaissance fair thing. In Gilmore Girls, where uh, Lorelai has the dragonfly in, and notably there is the dragonfly store in this, and I just thought that's a that's a very specific thing to call something. The <laughs> one thing that I can think of a reference a reference to a Renaissance fair, so that's fun, possibly. And also the other thing is um, supernatural, and we can talk about supernatural more later because I think we're probably going to. <laughs> but um, there is an excellent Renaissance fair episode of Supernatural. Uh, which I was briefly nice. minded of, just because th- those are the places where I've seen them. Because um, I know I assume we have. I think we have reenactments. I don't know. Do we have Renaissance fairs? Has anyone been to one? We we have re reenactment reenactment. I reenactments. Mm. And like, if you go to Warwick Castle, there's yeah, jousting yeah. and yeah and stuff. But my understanding, and this is please all Americans not shouting at us. Now, no, just tell us. We want to know. My understanding. Is it say uh, it's kind of a thing that nerdy people do? Is it like a cosplay Dungeons and Dragons? I don't know. Like kind of, yeah, yeah. But when you're picking up on what this thing might be through popular culture, you are left with you know Gilmore Girls and Supernatural <laughs> and and things like this, and it is just kind of I just want to wear that dress, and there's not many places you can wear that dress. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but like the, we used to have the green fair, which was mostly drugs and beads, you know. Yeah, like that. But I mean, we we do have mayday parades and so on, and Morris dancing, and it's not a lot. Yeah, of but shops. they're not really popular with the young people. It's not no, really and cosplay. I'm not sure Renaissance fair is. That's what I'm. But if you're saying it's it's like appeals to nerdy things, it's also the stuff that it is featured in that and that we watch. Yeah. If you watch one day at a time. Gilmore Girls, Big Bang Theory, and the other things yeah. it often appears oh, it in. Is in Big Bang to Theory, be clear, my ner- <laughs> to be clear, my nerdy comment was not meant to be. Um, I include myself in. Oh yeah, we're, oh, we're totally. We would all nerds. go to these. If there was a Renaissance mm. Fair, I would absolutely be there because you know I like leather work and. and yeah. But yeah, I, I think it is more an eighties, nineties thing though. Well, I'm well, thinking about what we've seen it. Mm. Also, this. What what what, uh, what I think I'm sort of getting to or trying to say is that we have some of this integrated into our normal normal lives. You know, this is just part of being English, some of this well, stuff. Well, yeah, and... but some of this is cosplay Are you English. telling us you have... Are you telling us that you have a codpiece? Is this well, where we're going? No, not in terms of the co- the, the, the we cosplay. We do all do, like, maple dancing. But they're school. going, oh, this is a thing to go and do. Yeah, exactly. You know, we learned country dancing. We all know what a do is. Who was it who did the country dancing conversation? So. Somebody, somebody did a did you do country dancing at school? maple dancing at school thing on Twitter the other day and all the British people were like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. come in that useful sense, but yeah, we do. Um, but but so, wouldn't, yeah. so, wouldn't go and do it in our, in my personal time, you know? Yes, no, but because we've Morris done it as, as school stuff and so on. Whereas but if again, you've never like, done that, if yeah. your experience was American high school, you might go, hey, that looks fun because it's unique and interesting and different stuff I've done elsewhere. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think 
It's it's interesting because I suppose we have more performative things where you turn up and people perform the dances and do the things. And mm. when they're in American mm. things, they seem to be like like communities and like shops and like engagement and commerce and and it's it's just a different thing. But it's the only time I see yeah. stuff like that in American stuff, which I think is why I'm just kind of dropping in on it. The other thing is again we've talked mm. about it's being quite a British show. Um, you know, with showrunner and cast and a, mm-hmm. some of the writers, I think, and, and so on. And and I just, I think it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thread to pull, maybe. If if you've got to pick anything from America over all of this time to pick a Renaissance fair, it's quite an entertaining yeah thing. But I think it's because they wanted that kind of oh, you know, we're in that kind of false ident- England, and then mm. oh no, actually, it's yeah, not. yeah. Because the thing it really made me think of was. What is this Shakespeare in the Park? Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? Yeah, and that's <laughs> it's, it's and those doing are that joke about Asgard. Some of the yeah. highlights that you should totally pull on when when you are mm. engaging yeah. with these characters. And and again, you know, we talked about how the Branner Loki it really is the one that Tom Hiddleston is going for. It, it is that Shakespearean, and and why waste any more time getting to Tom Hiddleston getting to make the most of his double first in classics, which. It's a lovely thing well, to see the internet discovering, isn't it? I wanted to talk about performances. Because I we? think I can see why I enjoy this quite so much compared to some of the other stuff that they subjected us to. Because I don't think, for at least half of it for Tom Hiddleston, but most of it for everyone else, no one is really performing. I think they've gone... Hey, this part would be really good for Owen Wilson. Hey, Owen Wilson, you know that time where you just flirt with everyone around you? Could you just do that? Hey, Google Mabatharot, you know when you just kind of look a bit smug and intelligent compared to everyone around you? Just do that. Just question everything that comes your way. And the the, the Loki performance that we're getting here, half of it absolutely is. Half of it is him going, I am Loki of Asgard and you shall kneel. And I am Burdam's glory. It, doing the big stuff. But the other half... Feels like those adverts he did as Loki with children in a library. <laughs> it's got that sort of vibe to it of him just being, yeah, it'd be great if I could meet the timekeepers. And there's just there's no thing to it. And and I don't know if this is because they're really good actors. And but I feel like we've got good actors elsewhere. But you always feel like Anthony Mackie is playing Sam, and Sebastian Stam is acting, and you're getting a performance on them. Elizabeth Olsen has to act very hard because it's a very complex role. But there's nothing natural in the performance in the same way. Whereas I feel like Loki has just put on a shirt and a tie in a very Tom Hiddleston style outfit and is just rocking around saying his dialogue. Why I think there's also something in how um, if you look at Hiddleston as an actor, because why call him Tom when you could call him Hiddleston um, <laughs> as an actor? I think that he's okay. had a path to creating Loki, which which is varied. I think at various mm. points he's mm. he's done the Loki he's been asked to do, and mm. I think that this Loki is really is that return to first film form, which is a lot more stage based, which is a lot more um, shifting. And I think there's there's one sentence that he says. Did I write down the words? I did not. But there's one. There's a three part sentence that he says at some point, and he says each part with a different side of him. And it just it, it brought me a lot of joy because hmm. Loki is a performative character, but he's doing a lot of different things at different times. And what I like about this show in particular is that it moves before I do. 
And I spend a lot of the, of the time kind of frowning at the screen and kind of judging things as they happen and not necessarily being right about what's happening and needing <laughs> further context and so on. But I don't, I'm not even really trying with this show because it has its own agenda and it is moving at its own pace and Loki is doing 15 things and being challenged at every point and an undercut. Noam Wilson is always undercutting Loki's performance. For example, when he says, I'm going to give you two options about what I'm doing and you can pick the one that you like. What a great way to write out a scene. What a brilliant thing to do. The whole Pompeii mm-hmm. sequence, just as you're going, this is weird. People died. This isn't apocalypse. And he goes, this isn't in good taste. And good taste does so much lifting as a sentence. I was just sitting there going, that is some writing. That is taking mm. all of the awkwardness and popping it as a balloon. Mm. The, the two options he gives him, I'm really intrigued about because... There is ambiguity in what he delivers to the judge and then what he delivers to Loki, of which way he's going. Does he care about Loki or is he just doing his job? And I don't know which way it will land because it's such a casual performance, I think. I think it's so... I'm not giving you any clues as to what's happening. I'm just here being me. And and speaking of Owen Wilson being there to to be me, and you you said before, Owen Wilson, shop, do the thing that you do. The book, he just goes, don't set fire to the palace. It It is... pure Wes Anderson film <laughs> it is pure what only Owen Wilson brings to the table and it's just just don't do that don't set fire to the palace just sitting there going yeah that's great good job good cast <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying the Loki performance particularly that we're seeing some things from him that we have not seen in the film so I really enjoyed the Pompeii bit because he was so excited you know and he was kind of happy <laughs> be free we my horn friends be really. free um, yeah, that was mischief. Mm. Yes, that was mischief. Mm. Yes, nothing has any consequences. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just what? What a joy! I, I really like that. It's really again, um, and I keep talking about Tom Hiddleston, not Loki, but that's because I think it is him and not Loki living his best life. <laughs> I've had to stand in a lecture theatre reciting Latin, and now I'm doing it for many pounds on a Hollywood <laughs> film set. <laughs> But yeah, that that joy in that moment because because I've watched a couple of videos of him trying to sort of place the performance. It's Tom Hiddleston and Cookie Monster level of joy <laughs> where he is, you know he does not know what Cookie Monster is going to say or do at him during that skit, and it's yeah. glorious because he is corpsing all the way through, still doing his bit, but having f- he's enjoying acting mm. with a Muppet. So mm. perks, and it's I think perks. we're getting some of that here. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 And I feel like Ragnarok is some of the closest we've had when I think back to things like him yeah. and Thor in the elevator and, and them talking about, you know, are you, I, I adored you, Loki, and you know that back and forth. But then the bit of, I'm not doing get help. It's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. That's the just, I'm talking with someone that I don't have to show off to. Yeah. And I feel like that's where we are with him now because he realises everyone has more power than him, so he doesn't need to grandstand necessarily. Yeah, I, I really like the um, the detective Loki as well. We got in the middle of this, you know, when they're investigating the 1985 attack. You know, he's working out the apocalypse hiding place. But now I wonder, are we still going to get that? Because he's followed Lady Loki through the door. Where do you think we're we still going to get this? Where are we going to go, having gone through the door? Just to build on those questions as well. Did she deliberately leave the door open because they for him? Because they don't normally stay open that long. Right. Seen. Yeah. Because she waves, but yeah, that but that was like a wave. That was a goodbye wave. 
That wasn't a come with me wave. Yeah, it was it was a goodbye wave, but it's the kind of thing you do when you know someone's it wasn't emphatic, it was Yeah. And yeah. um, I'm off now. Full stop. Hmm. I'm really excited to find out. Hmm. I'm I'm excited that you're excited, Matthew. I think. Hmm. I think I'm excited that you found some joy. <laughs> For once in my life. <laughs> I don't know if he's gone through that door in order to escape. Or has he gone through the door in order to catch her? I don't know. I like that that's kind of left open. Mm. Exactly the same way. There's, yeah, there's a number of these things that I don't know where they're going and what's going to happen and what the decisions are. And and I trust that the show is going to give it to me and that I don't think I can necessarily guess. Yeah. Almost because it's Boolean options, I could guess. I could say, yeah, he's gone through because he wants to actually stop her and get to the timekeepers because he still thinks he's the superior Loki. And chances are that's true because this is character we're following mm. but i will let them take me and explain to me exactly what they're doing on the journey and i think i i, I think they've landed it nicely so far as being a procedural just follow it and we'll uncover the case and we'll see exactly what's going on because mm. mm, what cool. else is he gonna do he's gonna go back to the tva which he's already seen and done his own work in and he's gonna stick with owen Morrison, who he's had the conversations with or he's gonna follow this other self through a portal to who knows which one of those things is Loki going to do? Hmm. One thing I have been thinking about is, are they diminishing Loki too much? In what sense? So, his magic doesn't work for most of the episode, because he's in the TVA. His intelligence and cunning, which is pretty much all he has, is just topped by Mobius at every turn. And then he gets his ass completely kicked, physically, by this other Loki. So, are we undercutting him too much? Is is his ass completely kicked though? Because I mean, he's fine. He's certainly there, and part of it is that other Loki engages with a much larger, more proficient fighter, which is is a chess move. But you know, people take their turns in chess, so so I don't think that's. But if that was just the human strength of that body, then Loki should have been able to completely take him because he's as guardian. But they're not the the human strength plus the the but isn't it isn't it both of them you know isn't it a combined yeah force? but but I mean either way I, yeah I, I think we they are diminishing him a bit too much as seeing as he's meant to be the lead I suppose it is that thing that we talked about with Scarlet Witch is is how rarely she's been allowed to be full witch um, because her powers are mm. too grand for the universe but I think that what they're doing with Loki is they're giving him scenarios in which his powers are not very helpful like. Yeah, he he can do things, but but what would he do that that would help? And his cunning and wit is fine, but he's in an environment with people who live and breathe that environment. He's a fish out of water, and I I think that 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 is what's causing those issues there. You know, it, it's not necessarily that he is less; it's that he just doesn't have the jump on the scenario that he's in. That he's still getting his head round. What does he want? Like. You know, I hate it when people talk about what protagonists want, and I'm sure that someone is out there saying, well, we don't really know what Loki wants. But I think that what I like is that Loki doesn't really know what Loki wants, because Loki can't really have a continuation of self, which is, you know, your default position. So he's still trying to work out, like, who to side with, where to be, how how to act, what will happen. And I think that having that internal monologue the unspoken monologue which i think that we'd certainly get to see for as much as Loki says there's an awful lot that that is not said 
you know, I'm I'm many steps ahead and I'm doing all these things. And you're just like, you know that those are not all the true parts of that story. So I think that you, what you're seeing is, is a Loki who doesn't have a space in which he is a god. He is not a god in the TVA timeline. And that's a weird one to navigate. So uh, and I know what you mean. I think that the hope is that that is a presenting a vulnerability with which you'll resonate as a viewer, which will make mm. you care <laughs> slightly more because you want a dominant Loki. You want a Loki who has a bit more than a gesture. I mean, I've, I've said to Pegs at some point, can we drink for arms? <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's a good gesture. It's a good gesture, but it doesn't have to happen a lot. Good stance. <laughs> Does he not want to take over the TVA and the timekeepers? Is that not what we established in episode one, that he would rule space if he could rule space, and he has figured that this is the most powerful thing there is ever? It's a default position again. I think that's the other, mm. the opposite end of. Mm. Well, I guess I can't go back. I uh, must rule this now. But it, even when he's just like, it is an audience with the timekeepers on the cards, is a bit. But the thing, what I'm saying is, the Loki that they're presenting to us, where they've kind of stripped, stripped back, all of his powers. Hmm. At the moment, I'm kind of going, you don't have a hope in hell of doing any of this. But what would he do? do you know? What, Whereas what can he do? What realistically would he do to improve with his powers, with his magic? What would he do? I'm not just talking about his magic. I'm talking about all everything mm. that before has been laid out as being, this is what's special about Loki. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm saying. His magic doesn't work uh, in, in the environment it would need to. And they're cleverer than he is. So... I think that's possibly one of one of the things that I've never so enjoyed about some of the other versions of Loki is that he's not really that clever for for me a lot of the time. He's just snarky. Like sometimes he is way ahead and sometimes he has done plans, but that's because other people are busy with other things. Whereas Owen Wilson's character is pretty much only, as far as we see, busy with Loki. I don't think you're wrong. And now he might not yeah. be, so yeah. it's possible he will get something out of it. I, I so, the thing that I'm thinking is is he has stated, oh, I want to rule this and this is the most powerful thing and take down the timekeepers, so on and so forth. And it leads me to expect at some point he will have to give up his selfish goal to achieve the positive goal, saving Owen Wilson, for instance. So, mm. And again, it's kind of cool that that's where they might get us to. And what is that going to mean in terms of the character and what he has to give up to do that? I mean, we're still seeing the softness to him, and and the vulnerability. You know, mm. we've we saw that last episode when he was watching the recordings, mm -hmm. and then with the uh, destruction of Asgard with mm. that file. Um, but also even when Hunter B fifteen, when Lady Loki, as we're going to have to call her for the moment, when she exits her body and she falls to the ground, and Loki does mm. look worried and and go to check her. Mm -hmm. uh, which which I like to see. Yeah. So, um, Hunter C20, we touched on her mm -hmm. at the uh, Ren Fair, and then at the end she's saying over and over again, it's real, it's real. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I think, I guess, we really don't know. Like, we could say words, but we really don't know, right? Right? No, really mm. don't know. That's nice. Is is it not nice after after a couple of shows of a lot of speculating and a lot of kind of 
drip feeding and imagining and and so on. Mm-hmm. Is it not quite nice to have something where you're just like, oh, actual information that nobody knows <laughs> about the show, yeah, where we could absolutely. like, we will find out in time. I I think that's. Mm. It's interesting that that seems to be a, a thing that's different about Loki and it makes you realise what a space we've been in where we've been able to kind of try and, you know, thread in the tapestry before we've had the information that we need to do so. Um, mm. It's quite nice to have something where you're just like, no, we do not know what is or is not real here and we don't yeah. don't know how you know where the timekeepers are and how... And presumably, we, it was you know we know it may have been given away. You were tortured in some kind of supermarket, but yeah. <laughs> in terms of where he might go, because I think that was one of the questions you'd asked mm, about. Yes. And, and actually, just to finish up on that, I don't think he's necessarily being diminished too much because he's still a fish out of water. So he's still having to learn all these things, and I'm hoping at some point it turns and he starts taking advantage of situations and becoming the Loki we know and love. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to see a bit more of that. I do just want to say, like, you know, we we talked earlier about how we've all been in various secretarial administrative positions, and the pace with which he gets the hang of things and is able to do his homework is mm. is no small mm. thing. And I do enjoy that being put in there as a demonstration of competence and, um, you know, prowess yeah. of some sort. I think that's quite nice because that is. Yeah, he did watch the videos. He did fun. read the books. He you know, did. He did, he did read all the files. Yeah. Like, and he parsed them appropriately because you know what? Like even asynchronous learning is still learning. <laughs> so in terms of where he might go, there were a number of things that flashed up as different locations that were being affected by Yeah. The thing. Um some we know. In fact, all of them we know. Some some we know within the MCU, some of them we know just because they're actual places such as Finland, Colombia. Uh, various places around the USA. I found it quite interesting how there's all these list items listed of Tokyo, Japan, Kingsport, USA, Beijing, China. So city, country, city, country, city, country. Mm-hmm. And the rest are Vormir, Asgard, <laughs> Hala. <laughs> just a planetary body. <laughs> but they are just... You know, Asgard is Asgard, isn't it? It's not somewhere in Asgard. It, it probably has districts. Sakaar probably has districts and towns. Xandar. Xandar definitely has towns and cities. Is Jodenheim where the Frost Giants from? Yes. Yeah. Yes. There is also, it's not on the list of places bombed, but just before it goes to that list, there is a reference to Niflheim, um, which I, when I looked it up earlier, I did call Nibelheim and then remembered that's where the thing happens with Sephiroth in Final, in Final Fantasy. Fantasy. Yep. Not there. <laughs> um, but Niflheim is, again, one of the nine realms. Nine realms? Mm. Seven realms? Nine realms. Nine, nine realms. Nine realms. Um, where apparently in myth Loki's daughter rules. I wouldn't mind meeting so Loki's daughter at some point. Who could, knows? Could happen. That would could be happen. interesting. Um, but yeah, so there's a whole list of places that include Vormir, Asgard, Ego, Guardians yep. of the Galaxy too. Mm-hmm. Titan, you know. Hala, Xandar. So places we may or may not go, but again, just referencing, this is a galaxy-wide, if not even further. Uh, thing that is being done, but there are also for every one of those, there's two or three on on um, on Earth. So who knows? A number of different dates, some in the future, some in the past, some that correspond to sort of moments in history, but not you know, not 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 the not obvious overtly. things. So who knows? Yeah. yeah, I thought I thought that was quite interesting. It just you know, 
because these are Nexus events, presumably. It's is it not a creation of a? If they if those branches go on long enough, mm. they Nexus yeah. events. Because you know yeah. a Nexus event on Ego has repercussions for your guardians, one way or the other. Mm. Um, well, yeah, Ego true. was. 700 years ago 650 years ago that was yeah we spent some time looking at that just being like what does it mean Hmm. why is that why is that a thing so that was quite interesting when you say a go what's it counting from well exactly they all have what would what i would take to be a date month year against them because it has things like 31st of march 1492 lisbon portugal okay which does somewhat correspond to things and then it says like Vormir twenty three oh one. So, are they using a, a you know Western Earth calendar? I mean, Ooh. ego is thirteen eighty two, and you just think, oh, hmm. all right. <laughs> ha- Hallow was I think zero zero five one. So who even mm. knows? Who even knows? And and it's entirely possible they've thrown in some of the names from things that we recognise, but. Um, the times don't have to. You're absolutely right. They could correspond to local to those locations. Yeah. So, although you would assume Asgard, the dates should be way in the future, because Asgard is significantly older than Earth, or or Asgardian history is. Mm. But and then, unless the TVA operates, I think. if the TVA has some kind of Greenwich Mean Time scenario, well, that's that's exactly what I wonder. And, and is that mm. basically formed off Earth? Um, TVA UTC. Does anything happen in San Diego in the MCU? No. It's not ringing bells. So if it did, then not Why? something massive. San Diego snow globe. Prominently on the shelf yeah. in mm. the office. And and like highlighted at least twice in two frames. And Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Seemed like a thing. Seems like there was a mission there at some point. And I wonder as well, you know, how how much of a, you know, other agents, other missions thread, how much is that important? You know, there's there's a lot of ground being laid, which may or may not be important. I think that's quite interesting. Um, it's it's a show in which every character has their own trajectory, tra- uh, their own kind of interest and their own conflict occurring. And we get interest um, interested in little shreds of that in the scenes as we go through. But I'm curious mm. as to how much that will matter for the show and how much that will be something. So, hmm. anything else? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Petunia. Um, there is a taxidermy. I want to say stoat, but just kind of stuffed in the shelf behind Loki in uh, one of the early desk sequences, and its pose is identical to Petunia, our taxidermy polecat, which we rescued from a place because uh, only. I only work with the vintage taxidermy, obviously. Um, but it was it was just fascinating to see, again, this kind of decor detail. That's, that's a really specific thing, to just kind of have this taxidermy just kind of poked in, in, in a shelf by a desk. And I was just like, I, I've taken a photo of our shelves at home. Um, you'll see. It was confusing. When Sometimes I look at Loki and I'm just like, that's a bit like... I'm living in this in real time. It's a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> like every now and then, it's a bit peculiar. Um, it's like immersive TV. It, it's a very immersive uh, scenario. I mean, you know, I got into much more detailed conversations about the fact that the cocktail bar wasn't illuminated, but that might have been difficult for filming. So, you know, you don't have to come with me on th- on all of this. But know that that is there. 
Should you need to. Um, Blade Runner 2049. Let's just take a, a, a little second. <laughs> yeah, I agree, Laura. That's fine. I can take the seat myself. Um, you know, I, I liked. A... I actually liked 2049. I just didn't like the other one. Yeah, I can't do anything about my co-hosts, I'm afraid, but here we are. Um, Blade Runner 2049, there's a moment, and you should know how long we spent looking for the moment in the actual film, but there's a moment when the music has a really vague resemblance to another bit when they're going into the supermarket um, in 2050. And also kind of with the, the hologram and the aesthetic of uh, the mm. supermarket. And it's just, it's just a kind of a little idea about Blade Runner 2049, which also got me thinking... Um, part of the story in Blade Runner 2049, um, not really a spoiler, more of a context, is that uh, prior to 2049 in this film, there has been an event which wipes out all electronic storage of data and content. And if you were going to avoid such an event, what would you do? Well, you'd probably run something like the TVA where everything is kept in hard copy um, and physically in a vault. Mm. And I just, I thought, again, you know... The, these are definitively people who are literate in the Blade Runner universe and mm. enthused by it. And I think when you think about how you would present your aesthetic of the show and that sort of thing, I'm sure that sort of um, thread is is some kind of inspiration, conscious or not. And it just it, it made me quite cheerful because I have thought quite a bit about how you would avoid um, the total loss of, of knowledge and data and what that would look like and what storage methods you would choose, actually, if mm. you were going to keep everything. You know, what what you would literally need physically, what mm. that space would look like. And really, the TVA is a realisation of this. And it's, it's quite nice when it's something you've been kind of dwelling on since you saw a film a few years ago, to have a show completely separately pick up on and engage with that thought process and, and give you an idea of, of what that might look like and sort of be sparked by that so I found that mm. quite cheering and I was mm. that was a nice bit of uh, genre literacy I thought I'm sure I've read that Blade Runner is one of the influences mm-hmm. on some of that yeah what I've not seen yet is the Teletubbies <laughs> no mm. which also was listed as a uh, an inspiration What's something to anyone look else forward seen to? any Teletubby references no we've not had apocalyptic okay. hellscape where Appliances come to life and everyone has to perform for a, a giant creature in the sky. Really hope it's going to stand out. I mean, that could be where they've gone. If if the next episode begins and the, with the sun coming up and it's is it Derek Jacobi who's the sun? <laughs> I forget. Tell you what, wouldn't Derek Jacobi be great yeah. in the Marvel universe? Who is it? <laughs> who's the sun? It's someone. I don't unlikely. know. Yeah. Why do I think it was Derek Jacobi? Maybe the timekeepers are a baby in the sky. Mm. I mean, we should almost just stop on that note. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I like the coaster joke. I spent a minute wondering if there was something about the glass that we were supposed to be taking note of, but I like that he puts the glass down and he's like, no, nah, this needs a coaster. Just a nice little character mm-hmm. detail. Um, that it was interesting to have emphasised. Like, it's interesting for the show to take the time to emphasise these character beats, I think. Mm. Um, that that's yeah, they're, they're working hard to give us a, a relationship between those two characters Absolutely. pre-existing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, packaging in the shop uh, as someone who's had an uncommonly deep engagement with Dove packaging I can tell you they're not planning to have non-recyclable plastic bottles in 2050 Um, so it was a bit weird to see those (laughs) all lined up in the supermarket as if that would be regular although I did notice their refill line stocked on the bottom shelf Um, I also really liked that the supermarket had been shopped 
and in some places stock hadn't come in so <laughs> someone had busy had to do some kind of supermarket pass mm. to check that it didn't look too artificial which mm. again it's that kind of detail of making tv that i just find captivating and i really enjoy thinking how did you get there like what was the process of making the supermarket look inhabited how did you find the supermarket set by the by like the concept I enjoyed that Dell was the logo that was really obvious. Of all the sort of logos that I could recognise, Dell was the one that sort of stuck out for quite a while. It was like, so this is not a real store, although, as I understand, this is a company, I think, that's been referenced in other MCU properties, so maybe it's a comic thing. I think in Iron Man, one of the Iron Men, Iron Man. It wasn't Roxxon, was it? Roxmart? Roxxon. Roxmart. Ah, well, Roxxon is the company that's referenced elsewhere. Okay. It's like evil company. Right. So, yeah, I hadn't actually put the two together, but yeah, this is Rox... Was it Roxmart, did you say? maybe. He says, I'm not sure. Maybe this is the retail arm. Hmm. But yeah, I then found it interesting there was a Dell in there, so presumably Dell have given Disney a chunk of money to put a logo there. I think we've Hmm. seen Dell laptops and sort of work in, in other things. But there were quite a few, you know, there was like Smart Water and Vitamix had a whole like section. Um, I mentioned Dove, Arm & Hammer, weird. Um, I mean, like a few regular brands, but also a few constructed brands. And mm. again, it's just kind of that placement. And also that when you look at the amount of detail they've made for the TVA and the period and time and styling and all of these things that I have so enjoyed talking about, it was a bit odd to see them hop to 2050 and yes have the hologram and yes have these things but actual goods you know again your your brand is being represented wouldn't you oh see not see i like current stock when we know. when we go to the future and it's not bill and ted stroke back to the future futures it's hey the world doesn't change that much if you look to the 80s and looked at now mm. you know Again, it's it's that, that way, thing. So. Would you you wouldn't you just say it's well, not minority report, for instance? So well, yeah, but you yeah, I just I think it's a bit interesting that you know when people have plans for not those things, <laughs> it's maybe it's, maybe it's it isn't those things, but it looks like those things because we don't have those maybe. things, so you can't make them not with those things now. Or maybe, maybe recycling technology gets so good in the future, we don't have to change. I and like it's at the recycling end that it's dealt with. Yeah. Well, that is a nice idea, isn't that? I just, I, I thought it was, it was a curious difference. Yeah, to see twenty fifty and have it not be, apart from the massive hologram scenario, so mm. different. Mm. I realise we've been going for a while, but I just had That's a really nice. brief thought about how um, it's interesting to see Loki presenting. Um, the kind of philosophy and the sort of the dominant take of the world that we're in uh, in a very secular voice, which I think is an interesting contrast to Norse God um, mm. content. I think that's... Hmm. Um, I, I couldn't think of something where we'd seen it in quite that way, but sort of discussed and kind of those those notions of belief and so on um, in, a, in a very secular and separate way. I thought that was just mm. notable, really. Um, I think, you know, we've, we've talked about kind of big uh, US TV show content and so on and, and various theologies of the MCU. And I think that this is, is really being drawn and characterised as something that may or not, may not get punctured by what is actually real um, further down the road. But yeah, I, I just found it notable. Hmm. 
when you're talking about that as well, it reminds me. Any tarot symbolism in this one? Oh, I did try and find something, and I think you know it's uh, not yet. But I did, I did have a, a bit of a thought about cups and wands, but then there weren't any coins, so you know, because <laughs> there was a lot of focus on on cups at various points and if you think about the time sticks there's potential wands but then I thought you know I'm reaching a bit and I thought well what is a podcast for if not to reach but then there were no coins so if you see a coin let me know <laughs> okay cool well we'll save that for episode three mm. but just to say again on on the the TVA and kind of the bits that are not Owen Wilson and the bits that are not sort of characterised when you get kind of these these random moments with the soldiers and so on it's not good people is it like and, no. and also looking at something like like a people sheltering in a hurricane scenario which you know touch wood is, is not a, a hugely engaging storyline on a current level for us um but certainly for parts of america pretty tough piece of content to to contemplate and engage with um people sheltering from life-threatening storms and so on um mm. I, I thought that was quite strong and quite briefly dealt with and quite firmly placed in there mm. just someone they're all going to die whatever and we've done that as comedy with Loki and we expect it as comedy with Loki but mm. then to have that kind of replay I found was a bit chilling yeah and again this is playing into my grand unified grand unified theory of Morbius's turn the fact that he does treat people differently there and you know from what we've seen of a lot of the hunters it's quite a kind of jackbooted thug about mm. them and whereas Morbius does care that okay yes they're going to die and yeah yes they should be scared but not of us yeah and and I think it's um it's quite a long episode there's quite a lot of content and I think that there are moments like that that are happening that aren't necessarily notable mm. and that's kind of why I slightly feel like it's our job to notice them because because they they are strong at the time but they don't necessarily have overall meaning so I just yeah I found it odd difficult you did just touch on something there Lord, that I was thinking in the week that I'm hoping Marvel deals with at some point and makes it easy for all of us he's called Mobius mm-hmm. and the character from Doctor Strange is I think Mordo I think yeah and the film coming out with Jared Leto is Morbius is it what, uh, what? is it Morbius the vampire thing because I was thinking, like, I've got a lot of these things called similar stuff in my head, and I hope at some point one of them is it Morbius. I think it's Mo- no, Mor- he's yeah, Morbius. Morbius. So, well, no. So the the vampire film coming up is Morbius. Yes. The character in this is Mobius. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the difference. Morbius is um, it's part of Sony's Spider-Man, Spider-Man universe Venom without verse. Spider-Man. Yeah. And so there's it's been supposedly coming out for ages there's been a short trailer i think mm. for it so it's going to continue to throw us i think about the different names mm. and which name we call them mm. and i hope it gets easier i hope one of them stands <laughs> out <laughs> well the fact that i'd completely forgotten morbius was coming out <laughs> <laughs> mm. looking forward to next week yes mm. looking forward to it mm. looking forward to it but not desperate for it all in good time It's really hard because playing Destiny 2 at the moment, there is big story stuff happening. Capital B, capital Mm. S, big story. Um, Which is also very exciting and at times has similarities about people taking over people. 
Mm. He says, in case any Destiny 2 people are listening, hi, Mandy. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this wasn't the person who actually got taken over. This was just temporary. Okay, right, keep it straight. <laughs> it's good. It's a good time. Cool things are happening. So I think we've covered that pretty comprehensively. We'll be back next week with episode three of Loki. Until then, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. I'm on Twitter at Laura Geeks Out. Abby, where can we find you? At uh, this ain't you sure. And Matthew? At Matthew Vose. Lovely. We will see you all next week. Keep this up and you'll have my job. <laughs>